We continue with one of the themes we picked up in our business wrap uh, in our shop stewards corner now. And uh, this is a report coming out of the Commission for Employment Equity on Friday uh, saying uh, it's going to take at least 50 years uh, to see real transformation in South African workplaces if uh, the current pace of uh, the implementation of employment equity provisions is anything to go by. And uh, this is especially in the top echelons uh, of the occupational structure here in South Africa. Now, uh, the Minister of Employment and Labor, Tulas Nglesi, commenting on this part particular matter, uh, said that the situation was not acceptable and the report is a wake-up call to government that self-regulation by employers to achieve the objectives of the employment equity legislation has not worked. And uh, we try and uh, better understand, of course, uh, the disclosures that inform uh, this particular report and uh, more importantly, uh, I guess, what tools and instruments are at the disposal uh, of uh, different parties to make sure that we get much, much better outcomes uh, when it comes to employment equity. Tembicha Gonda is the commissioner at the uh, Commission for Employment Equity and joins me now on the line. Uh, Metembi, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Maybe just as we kick things off, if you might uh, maybe explain to us, um, you know, from a... Uh, organizational and employer perspective, uh, what um, what do we mean when we talk about employment equity and the provisions within it, uh, especially insofar as it relates to designated employers who have to disclose, um, and those are employers, I guess, who have uh, you know, a headcount of 50 or more? Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, so I think as we know that the employment equity legislation was promulgated in 1998 um, with the hope to promote equal opportunities for all South Africans and also to redress the imbalances of the past um, that, you know, historically disadvantaged individuals have endured. Um, So that would mean your black people, African colored Indian women and persons with disabilities. So what we've seen over the years, um, I think if you recall, our first report was issued in 2001. Mm. We are now in 2021, and um, this, the progress in terms of transformation is still very, very slow. Um, you know, what the intention of the legislation was, was to try and create equal opportunities for all. And what we have seen at the bottom end of um, our occupational levels, we find a um, majority of our black people sitting there mm. um, with fewer white people. And if you go up from on the first four occupational levels, which is your top senior and middle management and, and junior management, that is where you see the reality of um, you know how unequal our society is mm. in South Africa. Mm. So, and we continue to to grow at a less than ten uh, less than one percent each year since 2001. And um, so obviously that is, is quite concerning. Um, so, so, so when people submit <clears throat> forms to you, um, mm. I would think was there's EEA1, I assume to, I'm not sure, EEA9, uh, you might correct me here. EEA2. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So, so when they submit all of these different things at different parts, there's one also on incomes as well. Yes. Um, are, are you able over a long period of time to say, well... You guys said in 2004 that your occupational target for top management uh, when it comes to African women would be X amount. Um, and, and who holds them to account to that? So what, what has been the, the, the challenge, Ayabonga, is that in, in all these years, uh, it has always been a self-regulation. So in other words, 
employers had to look at the workforce profile analysis of their workplaces and and do a comparison to the economically active population. And based on that, they then identify the under-representations and the barriers that affect people from designated groups. Mm. And they were then required to then set uh, plans for themselves um, that will work towards a you know, achieving equitable representation. But what we've seen is that um, most industries are exactly the same. So it's kind of like a mirror of um, of each other. So you find that companies were competing against each other. So if I have 5% African males at top management and then my competitor has got 3%, then I'd consider my company doing better. Mm. But actually... Um, you know, you were not doing better because if you're looking at the EAP, you're supposed to have at least 42% um, African males. So the comparison was not necessarily um, helpful because we're not, uh, companies weren't really setting, um, you know, meaningful uh, targets mm. for themselves. So they would get to the, say, 5% that they put as a target and then they'll celebrate, oh, we met our targets but yet actually they haven't met the target. And that really created a situation where um, if you've met your 5% target for that year in terms of your plan, then the rest of the recruitment and promotion is really just um, not, um, you know, sort of guided because um, everyone says, well, we achieved our plan, but our plan was was very conservative Mm, to begin with. So, So that's what has been also another challenge. And of course, um, you know, there's a number of other issues that have been a challenge in terms of, promo- of, of progress of people from the designated groups, the issue of skills, of course. But we're now finding a lot more black people who are skilled, mm. who are in the workplace seeking employment, but they are not getting into those opportunities because the very same people that are doing the recruitment and the appointments, uh, you know, they are not in the same sort of um uh, so, so in terms of preference, so you find there's also the issue of preference, the issue of diversity and inclusion, which plays quite a big role in terms of um, progress of of many black people in in the in the in mm. the economy. So that has prompted then some of these changes that we are now going to talk about. I'm sure you're going to sure, hear sure. about that. And well. let's before we get to that particular change, yeah. uh, and I think it's a very important point that you make that. Um, uh, we had discussed it with Snesipo earlier on as well. This idea of self-regulation clearly hasn't worked uh, when it comes to uh, all of the different elements of employment equity. Uh, mm-hmm. But but one would have thought um, that within the legislation, there's certain sort of sticks that uh, you know government might have, um, and one of those is you know uh, I guess the inability to do work with government. So if if you're not going to show as an entity that uh, you know there's really no clear intention and willingness to transform your occupational structure uh, within your organization, then you're really not deserving of, of getting you know, any benefit from public procurement. And Section 53 of the Employment Equity Act allows for this. H- how has that been used, if at all, um, since 2001? Yeah, so the, the, the thing about Section 53 was never promulgated. It's always been a section that is in the Act, but has never really um, uh, implemented as such, so what would happen is that you know companies will submit their tenders to um, you know for procurement, um, and they would really be asked simple questions such as have you submitted your employment equity report, and what confirmation have you got? So that's what has happened. So that section 53 has not 
been um, used effectively to to measure progress on compliance for these companies. Mm. So it was more of a paperwork um, sort of based exercise that as long as you've submitted your work, your your employment equity report, your EA4, which is your income differentials, you got you got your confirmation, um, you know, of uh, of submitting. Then you were seen as compliant. And of course, there's other aspects of compliance um, monitoring. So we've got the inspectorate department, which um, should be looking at auditing companies' progress mm. on employment equity. So they have been doing some of these, but the mm. very few companies... How, how many people sit there in, in, in the enforcement unit for this particular piece of legislation? Look, I'm not really sure uh, in terms mm. of numbers, but all I know is that they, they, from the discussions that I've heard, that they need some more capacity. Okay, so it's still like physical checks. You go into a company, uh, you get the forms, or, or how does it work? 100%. So it's physical information that, uh, you know, they request information from companies to submit for their procedural and substantive okay. um, compliance. And companies will then refer back that information and then they get assessed and then there's some findings. Mm. And once those findings have been given and then the company is given time to, to rectify and, um, and then they disappear. So, <laughs> and then of course, you know how it is with lack of policing, you find that, you know, it's companies then tend to sort of slow back again. Mm. So that's been the challenge. So I think with the new changes that are, are coming up with this amendment sure. act, which is, is is promulgating now this Section 53 mm. to make it more effective, okay. is going to be an online system whereby companies, um, based on the sectoral targets that the minister has been given powers to, to, to set targets together with the sectors, mm. um, to, to then um, conclude on actual meaningful targets that companies need to work with rather than self-regulated sure, sure. um, targets. Okay. So, so these companies will then be given up to five years to, 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 to have a plan. But that five years does have a bit of a flexibility as well to say, as a company, do an analysis of where you are. Mm. Um, you know what the targets are. So you know, stretch them for the sure. duration of five years. But you will be measured each year. Okay. So Sistembe? every time that you're submitting, Sistembe? you will then be measured. I've got, and then, sorry, System, but we've got a we've got an ad break. Sorry, just creeping up. No on problem. Us. So so I want sure. us to pause here for a second, take the uh, ad break, and then when we come back, uh, I want you to unpack this a lot more because uh, yeah, five years and still some leniency. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it sounds <laughs> a bit too flexible, but we'll come back to that theme after this. 23 minutes it is after 8 p.m. It's the Shop Stewards Corner here on Metro FM Talk. And uh, we're in conversation with the Commissioner uh, for the Commission of Employment Equity. And that is uh, Tembi Chakwanda who joins us. And uh, we are taking stock of the Employment Equity Report, the latest one. And coming as it does, of course, uh, 20 years since... Uh, the first report came out and uh, we uh, take stock of some of the progress that has been achieved. Uh, and uh, before we went to the break, uh, System, we were just touching on uh, the self-regulation process. And, and you're suggesting that entities are given five years to get their affairs in order and I guess to set up a plan to achieve uh, the sectoral targets that are set. But there's even some scope, I guess, and some leniency even in that process. Um, is that not too generous? Uh, not necessarily. Um, I think because there is going to be a yearly measurement for each of the um, of the companies that have to report. Mm. So each year that you're reporting against the targets that you set out, 
you will then, as an as a company, get a certificate of compliance or non-compliance. And of course, this um, this uh, section 53 is also measuring not only just the targets, but it also measures the issues of unfair discrimination. You know, so because most of these um, lack of progress is also embedded in discrimination. So there has to be managed, we manage the discrimination as well in the workplace so that people are given opportunities. So there will be, um, you know, the opportunity then to submit and, and track, you know, progress in terms of that. And, and of course, if you're not compliant, that means in that year, it also then triggers the fact that you will not be able to do state tenders mm. and it may, it may in, impact on your BE certificate as well. So um, the reason why, obviously, there's a little bit of flexibility, because remember that the legislation calls for, um, you know, equitable representation, but also not making quotas. So we're not wanting to set quotas uh, by giving the the employers opportunities to mm. set those targets. But before the end of the fifth year, you already would know whether you're progressing or not. So so, so let, me, let me understand the system. You, you don't want to de facto by stealth be creating quotas, mm. but you'd rather by stealth allow self-regulation to continue. But with, within the, the targets that are set out. Are set out by the minister, not necessarily by the, by minister, the firms. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, 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 in consultation with the sectors. Okay. And then what are yeah. you going to do with Section 53? I mean, is this about now creating a new regulation or just amending that, that uh, particular section in the legislation? So, so the Section 53 will then now be effective once these um, amendments are passed. So meaning that um, every employer that is compliant will be issued with a certificate of compliance, like you have a tax clearance certificate. Mm. So you will also have a, a clearance certificate in terms of employment equity compliance, mm. which it will be your license to trade in terms of state procurement, um, be it BE opportunities, etc., mm. and so that's really the the carrot that we um, that you know we're putting out there to to really just accelerate transformation and also to make employers um, you know think about the decisions that they make regarding recruitment because what we find is that a number of employers they actually miss opportunities of employing designated groups because they're missing you know, one year here and maybe not having enough um, experience here, but mm. nobody was born with experience. Sure, Most sure. of the people that you find in the workplace, they started from somewhere. But somehow when we are in the workplaces, we actually tend to want more experience, whereas some of these experiences um, with a bit of mentoring and coaching, you would be able to find a suitably qualified person. And in fact, the legislation has always had this opportunity to say, when implementing the affirmative action measures, mm. companies need to make reasonable accommodation, especially for those people that were historically disadvantaged, because black people will always be on the back foot because of the exposure that we, we have not had. Mm. So unless employers now take stock and say, how do we accelerate opportunities for black people? How do we take what the legislation has given us to use? As, a, as an opportunity to give preference to people that are not equitably represented. The legislation is very clear. It says a person can be suitably qualified if they have one or a combination of factors. So you don't necessarily have to have everything. As long as you have potential, the employers need to be able to nurture those skills and 
develop people. But what we see here in, in the workplaces is that, you know, we, 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 we think when a black person has been promoted, um, they, they're going to come and lower the standards, and which is not necessarily the truth. Because we, I mean, everyone has got the capability as long as they are given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And and we also know, I mean, of course, that uh, there's there's um, you know some uh, uh, discussion also around you know the income uh, differential statement, which uh, is part of I think Section Twenty Seven uh, mm-hmm. of the of the Act. Um, and I know you guys don't necessarily, I guess, deal with that as much. Uh, but I'd be interested, I guess, uh, to hear from you whether or not you see in the future a bit more sort of collaboration to to square the circle in terms of the kind of picture we have of what's happening because there's a very good picture at an occupational level that says in terms of representation this is what we're seeing but we also i think quite interested as a society in in the quality of those jobs um at multiple mm-hmm. levels um and one i guess real sort of uh, a measure that might give us a sense of that is some of the pay that is disclosed as well um i think an EA4 form Mm-hmm. Yeah, so as you quite rightfully say, that that is more under the national minimum wage mm. um, um, legislation. So, but we are obviously in in you know in talks within the you know the different uh, departments. We, I think, it's important that you know such information is also disclosed because there is this you know, assessment of your horizontal um, pay gap as well as your vertical pay gap, which has really been quite interesting to see the reports that have been submitted that there is um, a huge inequalities in South Africa when it comes to, 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 to income differentials. And yet, you know, the legislation has always been there. Section 27 always said, you know, employers must take stock and do analysis and benchmark, you mm. know, salaries you know, according to the markets and where they find income disparities, they must make sure that they make um, changes and have a plan. And that's why in 2014-15 that, you know, the issue of equal pay for work of equal value was was also, um, you know, um, promulgated to say we need to start looking at, you know, these inequalities in terms of gender pay gap as well as just income differentials that we are seeing. So hopefully um, in the next report that, you know, such information can also be disclosed to see how vast these um, differences are. Mm. But I mean, we've seen some companies, they have like, you know, sometimes almost 90% times, you know, sort of the highest paid versus the lowest paid individual, which is really sad mm. because... You know, I mean, how do you justify such uh, such salaries? Yeah. But it, it is what it is. But sure. we, it doesn't help to just collect the data and we don't actually analyze the meaning of it. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, it seems we've been collecting it for the last 20 years um, and probably not doing, I guess, a good job in, in analyzing it. Maybe a last one, uh, Assistant, before we let you go. Um, a lot is said um, in the public discourse, I guess, about this idea that in uh, specific sectors, and some people even suggest across the entire economy, uh, that there's massive encroachment, and I hate to use that particular word, but massive encroachment uh, by uh, migrant work seekers into uh, the workplace. Is that borne out in the data? And when you look at the occupational distribution of work, because you also, I guess, in your disclosures, also pick up um, you know, uh, foreign nationals that are working in the labor market, uh, especially in designated employers. Do you see this in the data? And what, what, what picture, if so, does it tell us? 
Yeah, it is there. It's in the report. Um, if you look at the, the top management levels, mm. um, we're sitting at about 3.1% foreign national uh, representation. And you will get the argument from the multinationals that they do need to have you know, the, the foreign nationals, um, you know, looking after their interest at, at the top level. So to some degree, that is understandable. But um, Home Affairs and, and the, the Department of Employment and Labor obviously need to be in sort of um, in sync when it comes to issuing of work permits and things like that. I mean, there are companies that where you've seen that there are black people that are capable um, of, of performing and in fact we've seen it in some of the companies that I deal with we you know the CEO left and then they left uh, the locals and the business started booming and and yet you know six months later then they are told oh there's a boss a new boss has Mm, come mm. and you ask yourself but why are we having that when we are more than capable as as Africans to be able to do that but you know these are just some of the excuses that Mm. you get and then you get the the ones at the lower levels, um, and obviously at the lower levels you must be, um, you must realize that you know you know your hospitality industry and your agriculture, they tend to take um, foreign nationals um, because of the the idea of being able to exploit them as well because mm. those, and Batani, those are the people that exactly mm. and these are the people that don't really complain they just get on with their work and 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 they are more preferred by by these um these employers mm. but then you also then see the fact that you know um home affairs has had that dispensation where they gave um you know work permits to to foreign nationals mm. the salems and all of that which is fine because if they live in the country they have a right and they are protected by our constitution yes, yes. that they also have the right to work there's nothing wrong with that but i do think that you know in some instances our own um you know sort of departments don't always check on mm. you know when some of these uh, dispensations are made you know the impact that it will have also in terms of work um of workplaces yeah. so that's the challenge and now at that level we're also sitting around three yeah. percent of foreign nationals that are working i mean if you take three percent of twenty seven thousand or twenty six thousand reports um over five million um, workers. Mm. That's quite a substantial, um, yeah, you know, amount yeah. of people that are in those jobs. Sure. Last one here, and uh, we got some tweets that came through. Monwabisi uh, saying, you know, there's also possibility of really sort of um, the quality of the reports coming through probably uh, not so good, especially if there's no inspection and enforcement capability. And I think that's a very important point. Um, and I think you've answered the other question, which is beyond the issue of skills. What are some of the issues, other issues that they're raising? And then Ezekiel Kekana asking uh, maybe a question you can answer for us just before we let you go. What should we as employees do when the employers intentionally overlook black employees for management roles just because of their race? Yeah, look, I mean, the, the legislation, uh, you know, allows com- companies to have a governance structure like your employment equity forums. And um, so your employment equity forums um, thus far have not been capacitated enough to be able to take up matters according to the rights that they allowed in terms of the legislation. So, and I mean, the the purpose of having these governance structures is to um, highlight when the employers continue to employ and overlook people that are suitably qualified. Mm. They should be able to say to management that, um, why are you deviating from our EE plan? 
and what are the reasons for deviation. So tracking those deviations, because what we normally find with most companies, they tell you that, you know, we couldn't find a person who meets the inherent requirement of the job. Then when you start unpacking what is the meaning of inherent requirement of the job, it's actually a nice to have, you know, whereby, you know, a particular manager... Mm. Yeah, but also the requirement sometimes is to be white, you know, like inherent. Not any skill consideration or like anything else just to be part of the sort of old boys club, I guess. Exactly, exactly. So I think with these amendments, it's going to unpack that because now if you haven't achieved your targets, you now need to explain why did you not achieve? Can you demonstrate as a company what measures did you put in place Mm. to actually get to the recruitment? So only when you can give a proper justifiable reasons that you will now be able to get the certificate of compliance. Mm. So it's not going to necessarily be plain sailing because that you haven't met the requirements. So therefore you can justify a Mm. a silly excuse. But it's got to be a meaningful uh, reason that you did not have any opportunity. The company did not grow. No one resigned. No one retired. At least you have a justifiable ground. But where you had those opportunities, where we have seen in the last three years, even if you go into this report, you see that year on year there are recruitment opportunities mm. taking place. But when you look at the the percentage of people that are employed, um, you know, designated groups versus non-designated groups is very skewed. It's still mm. continuously employ the same people. So that's why the, there's a lack of progress. Yeah, yeah. So Tembi, we're going to have to leave it there. And uh, thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us this evening. Not a problem. Thank you so much. That there was uh, uh, Tempi Chakonda, the commissioner at the Commission of Employment Equity. Many of you sharing, I guess, uh, yeah, on social media, some of your comments. And uh, yeah, um, Kum Sans on Twitter saying this EE Act is very is possible only if blacks can really want it. It doesn't depend on whites or employers for it to be implemented. Blacks can start by supporting each other's businesses.